before we start and hop into today's incredible and very intimate conversation with the winner of last year's Shine a Light Autistic Advocate Campaign, Mr. Brian Bird. He is the founder of Autism Support Community. If you haven't met Brian yet, please, please go check him out on Facebook and Instagram. Join the autism support community. It is a beautiful place to be. So as I am talking about the Shine a Light Self-Advocate Autistic Advocate Campaign and our award winner for this past year for his service to others, Mr. Brian Bird, I would like to talk about this year's Shine a Light Autistic Advocate Campaign. This was my um, solution, and I brought together as many of my advocate friends last year as I could. Uh, We had over 21 in Oh my goodness! Amazing um, avenues of advocacy work in our within our community and also globally to have conversations around. Hey, what would you want to share with um, someone who's new, someone who maybe is late identified and they're just beginning their advocacy journey? What would you share with with someone who is just starting? that you wish you would have known or you wish someone would have shared with you. And we had such beautiful contributions to that conversation last year. Be sure you go check out the Shine a Light live panel from last year. We've had hundreds of people watch um, and it was also uh, aired on the podcast. So if you missed that, or if you're just now joining, by the way, hi, I'm Carol Jean. I'm the founder and CEO of Mind Your Autistic Brain. I host the talk show, The Community. I am a burnout restoration strategist. I am a late identified autistic ADHDer. I am dyslexic. I have dyscalculia. I have an auditory processing delay. I'm 48 years old and I'm in going into year four of being burnout, shutdown, and meltdown free for the first time in 40 years. That's who I am, or at least just part of who I am. And my heart is to serve our community and to be a connector of the beautiful light that shines in you to another person that maybe you haven't met yet. Now, I will always be the first to say, I may not be your jam. I may not be your person, but boy, do I want to introduce you to your person. And I'm okay if I'm not your total jam, if I'm not your strawberry or your your seedless raspberry or, or whatever flavor that may be. I want to introduce you to yours, and I can guarantee you that uh, Brian is probably going to be your jam today. He and I are going to be talking about late identification, about the process of identification. You know, sometimes if do you pursue a formal identification or not? We're going to have a pretty deep and intimate conversation around this, and I hope that this conversation serves you. But before we hop into that and I give you a little bit more information around this episode today, I want to invite you to join me. If you are an advocate, if you are a self-advocate in our autistic community, this is the second annual Shine a Light Autistic Advocate campaign. This is what I want to do and what we are loving to do together in the month of April, because I believe in elevating our voices, in empowering who we are, stepping into our creatorship, our leadership, and who we are as beautifully, wonderfully wired neurodistinct brains and bodies in all ways that we are. Because we are a variety. We don't look a certain way. We don't behave a certain way. We don't come in a certain color or certain culture or certain persuasion. We are all things in all areas. And I want as many of us to come together as we possibly can. And this year's topic is accessibility. Accessibility across many different areas, healthcare, education, the workforce, diagnostics, intersectional areas in our life where accessibility is a challenge. There may be areas in accessibility that I haven't thought of, and I'd love to hear from you. So below in the show notes, you will find a link to this year's Shine a Light Autistic Advocate Campaign for Accessibility, where you can sign up to participate. And it explains all the different ways. And I even have a little short video that's included there to kind of tell you more about the options and to give you ways to participate that work best for you. Because you know what? Hey, we don't all process. We don't all communicate, share in the same way. So I want to make sure that there's a variety of ways for you to participate if you want to. 
you don't have to, but I sure would love to meet you and have you to be part of this amazing campaign. Last year, we had so many people participate. We didn't just do April. We did May. We may do April, May, and June this year. But guys, I love to shine a light on as many people as I can in many different voices and perspectives and understandings and communication styles and hey, hair color, who knows? <laughs> you know, I'm always changing my hair color. So why not? That that can be one of the things too. Guys, I've had a lot of accessibility issues lately, like more than you would think, right? And that really has made this topic even more important to me this year because it's been real painful and it's been a hard thing to process in some of the respects that I've worked so hard to try and change people's understanding of what it means for somebody to be autistic and, and how that looks and shows up and what all of the things are and even what accessibility is just on a, like a one-on-one like intro level. Yet I faced an entire community where I live, where I've shared, where I connect, where I work. And this April, not one business, not one community representative, not one person said, wow, we have this incredible minority business owner. We have an autistic ADHD business owner who's been named to the top 50 global neurodiversity evangelist. She's spoken at Google. She's being courted by some of the biggest companies out there. And she's doing amazing work in the world. We'd love to have her start sharing in April a little bit more with who, you know, who she is in, in the community that she's a part of so that we can embrace that. Did I get any of that? No. Did I offer it? Hell yes, I did. <laughs> Heck yes, I did. I even set things up and shared and said, hey, I want to invite you guys to come learn more about performance management from a neuro-inclusive perspective to help your businesses. Not one person showed up out of thousands. And that really hurt. That really hurt. But you know what? It did hurt. It did make me mad. I was mad for like 10 minutes. And if you guys know me, I don't get pissed. I don't get mad. I don't get angry, but I got angry. I got pissed because I got hurt because I thought, man, I really don't matter. I really don't count. And then I had to go, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> Cause you know, I'm always going to self-talk and coach myself, right? I'm always going to be my best client. And I said, Carol Jean, is your messaging clear? Do they really understand? Do they feel comfortable? I mean, anybody that's listened to my show or met me, I say, you can't say anything that's going to offend me. I'm going to just meet you where you are because I know you're here asking me because you want to learn, you know, you want to be included or you want to have a better understanding. But I didn't get any of that. And I think maybe Maybe I'm not making it accessible enough to other people. Maybe I need to work on my messaging. I don't know. I could be right. I could be wrong. I could be totally off the mark. That wouldn't be new either. But what I do know is that I'm going to keep doing what I do. I'm going to keep hosting conversations. I'm going to keep inviting as many people on this talk show every week as I possibly can because we matter. Our experience of the world matters. How we access the world and what we need, the things that we need to meet our basic human needs, as well as all of the things that every human has a right to. That's part of burnout restoration, is getting your needs met consistently. And the, the biggest barrier for most of us is accessibility. So please join me this month. Please, if you are interested, please go fill out the application to be a participant this year. Um, the deadline is March the 15th. 
so that I can get all of the panel dates and everything together and get those out by the 18th. Because we're going to have panel discussions on all of these topics within accessibility throughout the month of April, as well as uh, being able to have blog articles written by all of our, our guests and, hey, even some art. So if you're like, hey, how I express myself and communicate is through art or other variations of expression, I want to do those too. I think those are so beautiful. So here we go. Let's kind of hop in. Let me give you a little uh, tidbit about this conversation that Brian and I are about to have around identification and diagnosis. Thanks for sticking around this, uh, this intro today. It was a bit longer than normal, but I feel like talking about accessibility and sort of why it matters is important. Today, Brian Bird will be joining us and we will be talking about identification, formal diagnosis, self-identification, and some of the things that we don't often discuss, which is how do we weigh whether or not to pursue a formal identification and what could be the benefits and maybe some of the drawbacks that we haven't considered yet. Stay tuned, stick around, and join Brian and I for this very intimate conversation. Hi, I'm Carol Jean, late-identified autistic ADHD human, and your host of the Mind Your Autistic Brain talk show and Burnout Restoration Unveilers community. You're about to experience the new way to thrive as a neurodistinct brain and body by getting off the chronic cycle burnout loop for good. By unveiling your authentic self, defining what thriving feels like for you, knowing your burnout signpost, so those top 20 burnout warning signs are a thing of the past, and stepping into your best life as the creator and leader you are meant to be. Get ready, because this is where we go against the mainstream. Say no to outdated self-care tips, and we say yes to who we are in order to create an energized, authentic, peaceful, and harmonized world. Welcome to Mind Your Autistic Brain. Brian, welcome to the show. I'm so excited you're here today. Thank you very much for that very warm introduction. I'm lost for words. (laughs) Uh, That's that's so kind of you to say those things and and to give me that award as well meant a lot to me. Um, uh, I'm not good with words, but I I certainly feel it. And um, I I feel um, very honoured that you should say those sort of things. And um, I have to say, I throw it back at you as well, because I've um, been following you a while now and your advocacy. And I'm really impressed the way you do things. You, you're like a sort of bridge builder. You bring people together. And I, I don't see many advocates doing what you're doing. Uh, you're unique in that respect because you have the ability to bring other advocates together, uh, create community spirits, build bridges. And I think that's brilliant. So for me, that's what advocacy is all about. So I do applaud you on your work, and um, I, I've learned a lot from you. Oh, shucks. <laughs> <laughs> Got you there. <laughs> you did. You did. Thank you so much. Well, you know, I love that we're going to have this conversation today. And one of the reasons we're having this conversation is this is a topic that you are going to be sharing over the summer in two different conferences at the autism conference there in London and also with Anna Kennedy. And I can't wait for these audiences to hear your powerful autism journey, your in, your experiences and your insights on this. Brian, what is one of the biggest tips or insights that you've discovered for yourself that you've discovered in conversation with other autistics who are have identified, you know, hey, I suspect I might be autistic, or I've taken all the tests online multiple times. I've gone down all the research rabbit holes. I've I've been in the autistic community. I'm relating to so much, but I don't know if at age XYZ, I really need or want an autism, a formal autism identification. What would it give me? What's the point? You know, maybe why do I need it? Or what are some things that I might need to consider that I haven't thought of yet about seeking a formal identification? 
or just, hey, sitting with the knowledge yeah. that you figured it out for yourself. What are some of those insights? Because I know you've got lots of them. Well, you know what? It, it, as I said, um, it is a hugely personal choice. Um, I could try and answer that, but it, it would always be from my perspective. And it, that may resonate with some people, but not with others. But I think the important thing is to try and find out why we want a diagnosis and how it may benefit us. Um, how it might benefit our family even, because sometimes um, getting a diagnosis can actually help the family as well. Um, there's so many things to take on board, but I always say, we first of all, we need to research it. We need to talk about autism. We need to talk to other autistic people if possible and get their perspective. And uh, one thing I've learned is, you know, to try not to generalize because the, the the depth of feeling and the you know the diverse amount of feelings on the subject, you've only got to go to other people's pages and see how, you know, some people just don't want a diagnosis and they're not the slightest bit interested. Uh, other people um, feel it would give them validation and they find out they're authentic themselves. You know, I think I'm a bit like that. I had to get a diagnosis. It really meant something to me, and I only saw my autism through my son when. He was diagnosed, and I went on a training course, and um, he was about three and a half then. And I saw all my traits mirrored in my son, and in you know the the coordinators of the course as well. They were talking about different traits, and and I found I could add things to the meeting there, um, and uh, I found I had other perspectives. And I suddenly I thought to myself, I must be autistic. I must be on a spectrum as well. Is um, some people think it's a label and it can give you stigma. Uh, it can make, you know, maybe it could be hard for our different jobs we have, our careers. Uh, it can be a cultural thing in certain cultures. A diagnosis may really, um, it could really hold you back because people are prejudiced. There's a lot of ignorance about uh, autism. Um, but generally, I, I do think it's a very positive thing to go ahead and get try and get a diagnosis. It is a privilege, isn't it, in many countries. People can't afford a diagnosis or women can't get diagnosed because um, the professionals haven't caught up yet the differences uh, and we're waiting for them to catch up, but they don't seem to. And um, it, it is a complex subject. And um, I think it's all about the choices. We, we have a choice to make, how it might benefit us, how it might benefit others even. And let's be honest, we don't just get diagnosed and it's finished. I think a diagnosis is a growing purpose, a uh, growing process, sorry. And we kind of grow into our diagnosis. I had that experience where it took me, I think, five years before I really kind of grew into my autism and understood it. I had no idea. I had no idea I was autistic before. Uh, and so I had so much to learn. You know, I got diagnosed at 50 years old, and that's half a century. <laughs> and it's half a century of not knowing as on the spectrum. If that makes sense to you. Oh, it it does. And there's so much, there's so much empowerment. And I I'm was like you, I had no idea. It did not even cross my mind that <laughs> I could be autistic. You know, I had received a an ADHD identification yeah. in my, you know, mid late twenties. And when I learned from this neuropsychologist that I was going through the diagnostic process with my son looked at me and said, you know, you were missed. You could have knocked me over with a feather when it finally processed. Because at the, at <laughs> first I was like, I wasn't missed. I'm right here. Nobody missed me in my very literal autistic way. And in that, I was very similar to you. Uh, you know, those first two years, I really, I didn't do much with my own identification knowledge once I went through the process myself, because I thought, well, if I was missed, and these are all the things that, you know, they're saying, yeah, occupational therapy and things that listening therapy, things that my son needs and accommodations mm -hmm. that he could benefit from in school. What did I miss? Because gosh, I really struggled. So I was just, I poured myself into making sure he had everything. And at the end of that two-year period, I think I was so burned out at that point um, that it was just, 
okay, now it's time for me. What is, what does being autistic mean for me? I hadn't really even given it a whole lot of thought, honestly. Um, I think in that two years that I was helping my son every, you know, session and with therapists and things like that, I was taking on those little bits of, oh, I did that. You know, oh, I, I experienced or thought that way. Oh, I totally get why why my child is thinking and feeling this way. It makes sense to me. And in that next three years, that was when I took time to learn what it meant for me to be an autistic person. What what is it that I am as an autistic person? And it was about a five-year journey. Yes, I think nothing's instant, is it? Because... You know, we get your diagnosis and they say, go home. And then you think, well, what's next? What do we do? <laughs> and I, I found for myself, there was no support. I had no support. But um, then eventually I set up my own page and I thought I will start my own support process. And then I started connecting with other people. And that's how it began for me. Um, but I think we have to know why we're getting diagnosed. And the problem is for professionals as well. They don't understand I don't think they truly understand how important a diagnosis can be. And I do believe, Carol, it can literally save someone's life. I think it's like a lifeline because if you've got years and years of trauma, how can you heal from the trauma unless you acknowledge the trauma, put it on the table and say, this is me. It was not my fault. I didn't do any wrong Uh, because most autistic people, I think, from my age group, anyhow, they were blamed, they were criticised, they were bullied, they were punished all the time for, by their family, friends, and school and society as a whole. And to know those things, to know we're not to blame, and there was a reason for things, is a very cathartic. It's a healing process, almost a spiritual moment, because it all rushes at once. And then you realise, wow, I've met myself for the very first time. Imagine meeting yourself for the first time after 50 years and, and not recognizing So, Who is that guy? Wait, that's me. <laughs> oh, you bring in tears to my eyes because that is so <laughs> relatable. <laughs> that's such a still such an emotional uh, feeling. It is emotional. Moment. Yes. It, it's, Carol, it is this yeah, place sorry. where we finally feel like we are here and we are not this mistake and we're not broken or defective and we're not all the things the world has reflected back to us that we somehow onboarded that we thought maybe that's me. And all of a sudden it's almost like this identity crisis that we face because we spend decades thinking that we are this way and this thing, this person and then we learn that it's just our neurology is different and we're not broken. We are whole, complete people. We just process information differently. We experience the world differently. And it's it almost it's this empowering freedom to stand sort of naked in your truth, look in the mirror and go, wow, you're okay. Yes. You're yeah, okay. It's like, um, you know, you're swimming in deep water and you're drowning and you're, of course, in a whirlpool. You're going spinning around and around. And somehow you manage to get the strength to swim to the shore. And it's that kind of relief. I'm finally safe. I made made it to the shore. I got there. And it's a kind of relief to be out of that dark place and in, in a place where possibly you can be empowered, where you can be inspired and change. But there's no certainty. I mean, everyone's experience is different. I don't think everyone has the same experience as me. And I know many of my friends and page followers still struggle and they have a lot of pain as well. And I can tell the way they write to me sometimes, I feel sorry for them because they haven't found their way yet. But um, I do believe everyone can find their way. And uh, I think a diagnosis can be a valuable tool to access that information. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, we. One of the big insights that, that you wanted to share was that, you know, identify your why. 
And we talk about this here in Mind Your Autistic Brain community. And you guys know, you've heard me talk about it lots and lots. What's your big why? What's your reason? What's the, the driver, the value, the motivator that you've identified in your life that propels you to take action on something, to do something? You know, who are you being? And for so many of us, you know, especially as, you know, we get older, I look at a lot of things and I'm like, do I really want to go through all that right now? Does it really have the same weight in my late forties as it did in my twenties? And, you know, you, you have to really sort of take some time to think about it. And I love what you do. And I love, and I'm such a huge proponent and supporter of having conversations with one another, finding someone who's maybe a step or two ahead of you on the journey that you're on um, to ask some questions. Because, you know, sometimes I know that somebody who's ahead of me on a particular journey in an area that I would like to travel in, I like to know, well, what's the question maybe I'm not asking myself? Because it's not about, it's not about asking ourselves just why it's about asking ourselves a really clear directed question of why what does this serve in our emotional life what does this serve in our mental life what does this serve in our family life what would an identification formal or self identification serve me in my heart How does this influence or impact how I feel about myself? You know, I think some of those questions are are things that we need to ponder. And it's there's things that we can ponder and reflect on in isolation, but sometimes we miss those questions that we might gain insight into or not know to ask ourselves in community and conversation with others. But you know what, if I often think, what would have happened to me if I never got my diagnosis? And um, believe me, it was a three-year fight to get diagnosed. Um, I was even planning to go on hunger strike because I was so angry that they kept turning me down and they wouldn't refer me. And um, I took the online test and I scored the highest possible score. Um, I had friends who said, you know, I probably am on the spectrum. But they just kept turning me down and they said to me, Brian, you they said silly things like, you're too intelligent to be autistic. I was so angry. They said, you'll clog up the system if we diagnose everybody. Then you, you people like you will clog up the system. And I said, wow. well, I want to clog up the system. I was told all sorts of things and uh, to put me off. But the, the worst thing professionals said to me, and it's the very worst thing, they said, there's no help, there's no support out there. So why get diagnosed? A diagnosis is more than that. It is the, um, it's a code. It's, a, it's like going through a door with a series of codes. You can unlock it and go, go through that door and find yourself and find answers. And importantly, not just answers, but questions. Because when I was diagnosed, my whole life started to make sense. And um, my father, I found out he was autistic. I had no idea. And he treated me very badly, my father. But also, I found out my grandfather, that wonderful, kind man he was, the only man I've ever truly looked up to. And I found out this kind man, this intelligent, wise man, my grandfather, died at 97, I think. He was probably autistic as well. And um, if I'd never known these things about them, I don't know, and about myself and, and how I've managed to conquer my anxiety and do things like this. I, I could never do talks before. I could never do a talk in front of 200 people. I, I was mute for most of my childhood. Uh, from the age of 10, I had no voice. I couldn't talk. I was mute. And um, to find my voice at the age of 50 and to be able to convey what I'm thinking, which is difficult for me, um, I, I think is a transformation that cannot be described with words even. <laughs> I have no words to describe the transformation I feel I've had. But um, I do appreciate it. it's different for everybody, but we don't need 
to get diagnosed to have that transformation. As you say, we can self-identify. If, if that's what we have to do and we can't get diagnosed, then we can self-identify. And we should be stigmatizing people who decide to do that as well. We can feel like we're autistic and that's fine with me, you know. I mean, some people may make a mistake. It's bound to happen. If you're self-diagnosed, you, you may make a mistake. That, that may happen in some cases. But I do believe most cases, um, people are probably right, aren't they? If they feel they're autistic and they've done their research, then let's let's not take that away from them. Let's not let's not harm them by saying, no, you're not, you haven't got a diagnosis, because that doesn't do anyone any good. And it's not kind either. It's not kind. No, it's not. And you know, there's there's so much conversation and sometimes debate and sometimes, you know, high conflict and emotionally charged conversations <laughs> around this particular mm-hmm. subject. But it is truly a very personal journey. And there is no one who is sitting in the seat or wearing the shoes or pulling up those pants or putting on that blouse and going out into the world every day, but the person who puts them on. And it is not for us to judge or criticize another person's journey to themselves. It is our place to be kind, to be gentle, to be supportive, to be respectful, and to honor and give space that another person was being vulnerable and courageous and stepping out and saying, hey, I've struggled my whole life, and this is really making sense to me. This is... I feel like yes. I found my people. I feel home. And why would anyone want to take that away from someone? Well said, Carol. Yeah, exactly. We, our community has to be open. To, um, well, you know, we say this word inclusion. It, it really does have to mean that. And for me to be inclusive on my page, it means I have to accept people I completely disagree with. <laughs> so I know it sounds crazy, but lots of the time I've got in trouble because I defend people I disagree with only because I can see how much it matters to them and their perspective is different to mine. And it doesn't matter if we disagree. It really doesn't matter. But it'd be so boring if we all agreed all the time anyhow. It's nice I that agree. We're so <laughs> I'm with you. I love the diversity. <laughs> but isn't inclusion, including being inclusive, of all, you know, all perspectives, and I do think in the community, things become so um, polarised. There's always this or that, black or white, or it's always one end or the other. But I think most of the answers don't lie in the extremes, they lie in the middle. <laughs> That's where I think, anyhow. I agree. I, I feel the same way. And along this late identified journey, one of the things that I learned about myself, you know, so many of us tend to be very black and white thinking. It's difficult to see or consider the gray. Um, and that has been something that's been part of my journey is developing this ability to start seeing the variations between the extremes and to really love and appreciate them. Um, I wasn't aware that that existed. And I guess that was probably the the crux of why I had so much conflict and, and would lose relationships throughout my life because I would say or think, oh, this is how this is. Someone says this. And so this is right. You know, they say this is what's right. So I, this must be what's right. I must agree to this because this is what the people in my life or in my sphere of influence are saying. And I'm a rule follower. So if you say this is what it is, I'm going to believe you and I'm going to follow that rule. And not realizing that, you know, there's this whole other side of the world in thinking that, oh, that's just what I believe, but you don't have to believe it. Oh, I don't have to believe it. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought because you know, you're a person of influence in my life and you say this is right, that that it's right and I should believe you. <laughs> um, so that was sort of a big aha for me. I it was it has been a huge transformation to especially look back at my life and go, wow, I missed this whole 
spectrum in between one end of the, and the other. And I never even considered these. So now for me, it's, I almost, I almost love more of the middle of what are the different perspectives? Share with me what you see. I want to understand your experience because I only see things one way and, and there's a million infinite possibilities. And I want to know what you think. That's so true. You know, often we learn more from the person who disagrees with us than the person who agrees. <laughs> and that's, um, I'll give you a very good example, actually. My sons, we are so different and we are always arguing about this. And they always say, Dad, don't use sense of humor. I've got no humor. <laughs> and we, we have lots of arguments and disagreements. We have pleasant ones. And we have very different opinions of life. And, uh, and yet we love each other. And we, we care about each other and we want to hear each other's opinion because we have common ground. And um, it doesn't matter. We, we are so different because you know, they're my sons. and I love the fact that they're independent. And, um, you know, they think I'm crazy half the time. <laughs> and they laugh at me. And <laughs> my teenage boys do too. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> I say that they think I'm crazy. I know I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I own it and I have the t-shirt to prove it. <laughs> exactly, yes. So, you know, I used to be like, like you're saying, you're a black and white thing, you're very rigid and needing to be right all the time. And when I first went on Facebook, having to feel like I need to say something, post something, and I need to be right. But now I, I don't care about it now because I realise there's very little right and wrong. It's just lots of opinions, perspectives. Um, and that's all they are, really, at the end of the day. And, um, you know, I think the funny thing is when I post something on my page and someone says, they inbox me and say, Brian, I'm really sorry, but I've got to disagree with you. <laughs> and I say, I just don't agree with what you're saying. I say, that's fine. I'm glad you said that. I don't agree with what I said either. <laughs> I oh, I love it. it. Does it matter if we agree or disagree? What matters to us if we're rude to each other, if we offend each other, um, if we're personal, or if we humiliate each other? That matters. That's that's not that's not good for anybody. But disagreement, oh. healthy, helps us grow. <laughs> oh, it does. This is why I love having conversations with you. It, it always just you, like our friend Laura says, you spark me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's no smoke without fire, you see. <laughs> but, you know, Brian, you make such a very powerful insight in what you've just shared. And it's one of the things that I've learned along this journey is usually when I have a very strong response, an emotional response to what someone says that I might disagree with. I found that I don't ask myself, why do they, you know, what's wrong with them? Why do they think that blah, blah, blah. I stop mm -hmm. for a second and I ask, why did I get so emotionally charged by what this person is sharing? That's a good question. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's very good point. So I'm very astute. Because I, I think I've learned more about myself. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. Very good point. Well, you said um, it. I was just taking it to the next step. <laughs> I forget half the things I say. That's the trouble. <laughs> That's just because you're so genius and you have so much wonderful knowledge that comes out of you, Brian. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can't say that. That's very kind. I tell you what, man, Carol. Um, a lot of what comes out of me is comes from places of great pain and suffering. And um, also, um, yeah, pain, suffering. Um, making mistakes in my life. I made so many mistakes. And um, when I was at school and my father, it was criticized me. If you dare make a mistake, you'll be punished or you'll be criticized. Or my father said, you'll be the laughing stock of the class, you know? And I used to have this humiliation and, um, about making mistakes. But it took me years to get over that. And now I embrace my mistakes because you're only as good as your last mistake. And, um, you know, I think we have to allow ourselves to make mistakes and other people to make mistakes as well. I think if we can't make mistakes, we're never going to learn. And the worst thing is to be so fearful of making a mistake, we don't even try. 
And that's something I do with my sons as well. I say, it's okay you made a mistake. You take responsibility for it, own it, and let's move on. It doesn't matter. Oh, yes. Yes. You know, I don't even call, I don't even really use the word mistake anymore. Because I've reframed it because that's not what it is. You know, so often the word mistake has this sort of negative connotation and charge. And I think for so many of us, especially in late identified life, we have onboarded so much trauma for decades that we live in a heightened place of fear of making mistakes. And a lot of that translates to that flip side of getting very dogmatic and tenacious about our rightness, because if we're not right in our black and white thinking, then we are wrong. And if we're wrong, we're not worthy of love and we're not good enough. Yes. And that's so so wrong. It's not correct. It is, it is a broken narrative that is a limiting belief that is only harming us. And that was such a big journey for me. And so many of my coaching clients that we start with a conversation and they're afraid to make mistakes. And I was like, let's think about it this way. What if this is the opportunity? It's not a mistake. It's just simply a learning opportunity. It's a growth opportunity. And if we never have those happen, we are removing opportunity from our life. That's so true. That's a very healthy perspective, Carol. You know what we say in our martial arts training? The master's made more mistakes than the student has ever tried. (laughs) Now think about that. You cannot really um, get to any state of perfection or or be so good as to become an expert unless you've made more mistakes than all the other people because you've gone through that process. But importantly, you've learned from mistakes as well. I love that. And I, you know, you've posted about that on your page. Yes, many times. Yes. And every time I see it, or you are raising a, just a a bit of a different discussion around that thought, it always stops me. You know, I was in this wonderful professional coaches training several months ago, and one of the other um, participants we were talking about mistakes. We were talking about the feeling of fear, the experience of fear. And really it's, it's an insecure feeling. It's not feeling worthy or good enough on either a conscious or unconscious level. And what she shared was so beautiful. And I think it relates so much to martial arts and sort of the, the mindset and philosophy in that. And she said, you know, we spend our whole lives trying to be perfect and not make mistakes. But if you ask someone, what is life? The response is usually not perfection, not not making errors or mistakes or anything. It's hardship and conflict and challenges. And moments in between those that are rare air mountaintop moments that we experience, profound love and connection, places within these valleys and mountains that are powerful transformation. Yes. And we don't have those if we don't truly embrace life as you know, sort of the Japanese art form of Kitsugumi where you use gold to fill the cracks in a broken piece of pottery. And truly that is life. Life is not all a whole perfect piece. It is the broken vessel that has been put back together with these beautiful moments of gold. And if we don't have those high points and those low points, Those are part of life. That is the nature of life. And when we have the expectation that those challenging valley moments don't exist, then we rob ourselves of the true experience, the growth, the beauty that life truly is. 
Yeah, it's very well said. Yeah, I agree with everything you say there, Carol. That's brilliant. Uh, yeah, I think you nailed that subject there. Really good. Um, yeah, and the th other thing we learn in martial arts is not to compete with each other. And I think that's the same with advocates as well. Um, we're not in competition with each other. We're, I, well, for me, I, I think we're here to enhance each other. And to um, what I love most about all the advocates is, is everyone is completely different. I can't think of one advocate who's the same. I've never met anyone like me anyhow. But um, they're, they're all so different and unique and have different perspectives. And that's, as you say, it's like that vase, isn't it? It's broken, but you've got all this sort of tapestry around it as well and all these delicate, ornate flowers and pictures and things. And for me, that's how advocates are. They, they embellish everything. They, they add to the whole experience. And um, but it's not about competing against each other. It's, it's being the best we can. It's about um, getting our voice across, uh, but not competing with each other. I've never felt the need to compete against, or yeah, I just feel we we kind of enhance each other and empower each other to do better and be our best we can be. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. And you know, you touched on that before we started recording, and that just truly touched my heart because I. I feel the same way, you know, I share in my unique way and in my voice and no one else can do it the way I do it. And I don't want them to, I want them to share in their unique voice and their unique way, because there's someone out there that needs to hear it from their perspective, from their voice. And, yes. you know, that's one mm -hmm. of the things I say here on this talk show all the time. You don't have to like me. I don't have to be your person. That's okay. But what I want to do is introduce you to your person. I want to help you find your connection, your community, the person that just sort of yeah. speaks to your heart. Exactly. Yes, I, I agree fully. Those wise words. <laughs> I love what you said. And I'm going to add this to this conversation as we're wrapping up. Okay. You said, you know, as advocates, those ahead of us, those with us on this same journey, those who are just coming up, who are new and just entering the space, we all influence and contribute to one another. And I love that you said, I have a little piece of all of my advocate friends as part of my journey. And I truly believe I do as well. Um, and you are a big part of me. And I want to thank you. <laughs> well, you know, thank you very much. That's very uh, humbling. Uh, thank you. But also, likewise with yourself, um, I I started to see how you do things and how you you manage to bring t people together and sort of you build a sort of community, a, a safe space for people. And um, I've always been, always been very impressed with that. So I, I've kind of sort of learned from from you as well, and trying and you know get that into my work as well. I remember. When I first came on Instagram two years ago, um, Charlotte was one of the first pages I saw. And I, I, I was amazed by her visual, um, her visual presence and the way she did things, these beautiful photos and her gushy sort of posts and things. And then I, I said, I must get on Canva and try and make some memes because I've never been good at that. But I thought I must give myself a better visual um, perspective because I'm a visual person anyhow. So I started to make these memes and which captured my ethos and the core of what I believe in. And that's why I keep repeating them sometimes and keep posting because that's my sort of ethos. That's my core beliefs. And um, kindness has always come through on that. But so I, I took a bit from Charlotte, a bit from yourself. You've got Callum as well, uh, Laura. There's so many. And kind of, you can't help but being influenced by their you know, what they do. And um, yeah, <laughs> it's a blessing, isn't it? It really, it really is. I, and we're talking about our friend Charlotte from the Spectrum Girl. And guys, yes. if you're not following her, you need to go check her out. You know, <laughs> that's, I love that because, you know, some of the things that I've learned and sort of tweaked as far as, you know, posting and, and sharing things like that, I learned from Callum. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, and Callum and Charlotte have gotten to be such good friends since, you know, we sort yeah. of all connected yeah. in, in last summer. And it was so wonderful because I love to see, I love to introduce people. So I love to see these relationships and collaborations bloom between um, people that I know that I introduced that just sparks my joy. <laughs> but that's a great quality to have, Carol, to be able to introduce people and sort of connect people um, is quite rare, you know, because as you say, a lot of advocates, we're all kind of isolated and occasionally we uh, bump fists and say hello. <laughs> but um, to, to connect us in a meaningful way and actually, I remember the last time we had a chat on, um, the last time we did a Zoom call and had all these different advocates um, giving their story, it was wonderful. It was such a nice experience. And we all we all inboxed afterwards saying how wonderful it was, how um, how we enjoyed it. I think we inboxed you as well. And it was such a wonderful experience and liberating. And and to know that you're not alone out there, because um, as you know, advocacy can be a, can get us into dangerous waters. It can be very difficult sometimes. We can be exposed to bullying, harassment. Uh, I've had a lot of that in the past, and um, sadly. And, uh, you know, it allows us to unite and you know, feel less alone out there, which is very important. I agree. And I think that's one of the reasons your community, Autism Support Community, is so powerful and so necessary because you created a space where we can all come together and be honored and recognized no matter what our belief or ideology is, and we're welcome. And that allows us to have a place to come and feel safe, to feel supported, to feel seen, heard, and understood. And I think that's at the heart of what we all seek to have in our life is to be seen, to be heard, and to be understood. Well, I, I hope I do that. You know, I'm really honored if I can do that in my community. Um, yeah, that means a lot to me. It really does. And I don't care about terminology. You know, if you're with autism or if you're autistic, one might sound funny to me and strange, but I don't care. It's what I want to hear what you've got to say. I want to hear your voice. I want to hear what you've got to offer. I want to see you be happy. Uh, I want to see you succeed. That's how I feel. And um, I, for me, I know it's seen as weakness, but for me, kindness is an amazing strength. I think there's nothing more powerful than being kind and humble. And uh, my grandfather was my example here. And um, I think that's a powerful tool. I, I can be angry. I can be very critical. But I, I keep that out of my work as much as I can, you know because um, I just don't think it gets me anywhere. Kindness opens doors, opens hearts, and opens minds, I think. Um, and sometimes kindness means just listening. <laughs> oh, Brian Bird, thank you so much for being here today and sharing <laughs> your insights and your experiences and your heart, your very kind heart. Guys, if you are loving this and you're not yet following Brian Bird on Instagram or Facebook, he is at Autism Support Community. He will pre be presenting at on a Kennedy's conference and also at the Autism Show in London. Be sure to check him out. He's talking all about identification and the process and the journey and the things that we should be reflecting and perhaps considering that we haven't yet. I hope you've gotten a bit of an insight into that today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of the Mind Your Autistic Brain community because you are not alone, my friend. Take care.